Hello, I'm Jeffrey Mishlove and today I'd like to talk about parapsychology and the zeitgeist. The parapsychological zeitgeist, you might say. The reason that I've chosen this topic is because I just finished watching and viewing the presidential address to the Parapsychological Association given by my old friend Dean Radin, the author of a new book on magic and parapsychology. And uh, it reminded me of the very first time I attended a convention of the Parapsychological Association uh, in 1973. At that time, the president was a psychologist, uh, Rex Stanford, St. John's University in New York. And his topic was, are we shamans or scientists? And he was arguing strongly, we are scientists. We don't want to be shamans. We've got to design our experiments to eliminate any possibility of experimenter psi influencing our data. That way, we'll be able to do process-oriented parapsychology research and we'll figure out the mechanisms underlying this phenomenon. And I can tell you this, shortly after I got my own doctoral degree in 1980, I wrote an essay called The Schism Within Parapsychology and I pointed out how parapsychologists in general are very hostile to people involved in esoteric culture, the occult, and mysticism. And uh, this essay was published in a now defunct journal called The Zetetic Scholar which was at the time edited by Marcello Truzzi, who was a friendly skeptic of parapsychology. And he invited a dozen other leading parapsychologists to respond to my essay. And by and large, with a few exceptions, they took the position that they're perfectly well entitled to look down on uh, occultist mystics and uh, esoteric culture because it was so unscientific. It was so fraught with every kind of uh, social and ethical problem. And, and their attitude was very, I think, haughty and supercilious and arrogant at the time. Well, times have changed. And now, you could say the pendulum has swung a little bit more, maybe a lot more, over to my side of the argument. Dean Radin, in his book on magic, was clearly taking the view that parapsychologists would do well to pay attention to mystics, to the esoteric culture, and to the occult. And he gave a very interesting reason why. He said, we've got all this data. In fact, uh, just a few weeks ago, the American Psychologist, the flagship publication of the American Psychological Association, published a survey of published experiments in referee journals of a parapsychological nature, 1,700 published experiments. And they found the evidence for psychic functioning was overwhelming. This is very significant because psychologists of all professions are the most threatened by those in the field of parapsychology and by that data. 
The truth is, of course, that all academics are threatened by it, but by psychologists the most. So that when their flagship journal publishes a major article like this, surveying 1,700 different experiments with enormously significant data when combined, that's quite interesting and important. It does suggest a shift in the zeitgeist. And furthermore, Dean Radin argued that the problem is, how are we going to explain it? We don't have any good theories. In fact, as he points out, we can't even explain normal consciousness. The mind-body problem is insolvable from a materialist metaphysical perspective, at least to date. Now, I know there are materialists who think, well, we're going to solve it eventually. It must have something to do with neurons and uh, you might think of it as recursive loops in the neural system leading to conscious experience. That's sort of the way the thinking goes. But to date, they haven't solved it. And Dean Radin says, well, if science can't solve that problem, maybe esoteric culture can. And if you look at esoteric culture, he took, for example, Aldous Huxley's book, The Perennial Philosophy, sort of a survey of esoteric culture for thousands of years, Eastern and Western. And, and the basis of it all is this, that consciousness is primary. You see, from a materialistic perspective, consciousness is an epiphenomenon. You get physics, then chemistry, then biology, then psychology. And somehow, out of all of that, consciousness emerges as a, as a, a byproduct of all of these things. But in esoteric culture, consciousness is at the bottom of the pyramid, underneath physics. And the interesting thing is, now, if you survey the literature as a whole, you see that many theorists in neurology, in physics, and in uh, other disciplines, even mathematics, are beginning to suggest that we have to re-examine the mind-body relationship. And in particular, people looking at the implications of quantum physics are saying much the same thing. Consciousness is causal. Consciousness is primary. Perhaps the idealists, like uh, the great philosopher Bishop Berkeley, amongst others, not to mention the whole tradition of Hindu uh, philosophy or Indian philosophy, uh, suggests that consciousness is primary, as do most religions. That means that the whole physical universe emerges from consciousness. Now, I have to say this, that poses a philosophical problem equally as great as how does consciousness emerge out of dead matter. So, maybe the solution isn't really idealism, maybe the solution is panpsychism, that somehow there's really no difference between mind and matter. They seem very different, but maybe they're not. In any case, the zeitgeist has changed in the sense that people are asking these questions seriously now across many, many disciplines. Dozens and dozens of books are being published from different perspectives, but they're all questioning these fundamental principles, these first causes, where did it all start? That could be very favorable for parapsychology. But one, one thing that Dean Radin points out is that the esoteric traditions are now becoming more and more in alignment with the leading edge thinking in 
the philosophy of quantum mechanics, mind-body problem, the philosophy of mind, and, and so on, even neuroscience. So, where does that leave parapsychology? You'd think it would leave parapsychology in a very good position. But Dean Radin says, well, one of our problems is we have a terrible name. Now, I happen to like the name parapsychology because at least I get to say I have the only doctoral diploma that says parapsychology. If the name gets changed, where does that leave me? But truthfully, I don't care. I, he, he points out that paras if you do Google the name parapsychology and look at the primary articles, the primary graphics that come up, you'll see there's a lot of negativity associated with it, a lot of references to parapsychology as a pseudoscience science. Dean Radin points out that Gustav Fechner, when he coined the term back in around the 1860s or so, I believe, when he, or maybe earlier, the term psychophysics, he had in mind something of a parapsychological nature. And he listed many great scientists, people you wouldn't think of, founders of science, Isaac Newton amongst others, who were deeply interested in this area before the reputation uh, became so tarnished. Now, Dean Radin proposes we change the name. He doesn't know to what, and <laughs> it's very hard to get people to agree on something. So maybe the name will never change. I do like psychophysics, but as Radin pointed out, there's already another discipline called psychophysics. That may not work out too well. We'll have to see how, how things emerge. But things are looking up for the field of parapsychology right now. And one sign of that is that membership in the Parapsychological Association, which as long as I can remember, has been somewhere between two and 300 people. It's now up to 400. It's the largest number in the history of the Parapsychological Association. So, I think we're at a point, it may be, that uh, we're right at the fulcrum now where the culture is beginning to turn. And for all I know, you know, the horrible politics that we're experiencing may be part of it in some way that this people's willingness to question every authority which seems to be going on right now. I mean, <laughs> I don't know that there are any authority figures, <laughs> even the media, that are. <laughs> and, and as I pointed out in an earlier <laughs> in presence episode, I like the media, the mainstream media, but they're all being called into question. Surely the President of the United States, above all, and especially by the mainstream media, but the religious figures, teachers, uh, they're all being called into question, and maybe that's a good thing, and maybe it bodes well for a whole new era, uh, an era in which, as <laughs> of all people, Alistair Crowley once said, people will begin to do the great work of aligning their own personal will with the will of the cosmos. Now, that would be interesting. So... Um, I think I'm sharing good tidings with you, glad tidings, good news. This is, I think, a positive development, a good time for the field of parapsychology, a good time for those of you who view this In Presence monologue series and the new Thinking Aloud interviews on a regular basis. Let me encourage you, share it with your friends, because I think we're on a, a wave 
right now, a role. Something is bubbling up in the culture. I feel very positive about it. What does this mean for you? Well, I guess you'll have to figure that out. What does this mean for you? I'll leave you with that thought. Thank you. Thank you once again for being with me.